This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. A Sunday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. All right, uh, let's jump around the baseball world with one of the best. He does it day in and day out on his Inside Pitch Show, Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio. Mr. Casey Stern, good enough to hop aboard. How you been, Case? Good, Jody. Always a pleasure. Uh, down, down to the home stretch we go, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, just slightly over a month. And, oh, by the way, two days away from the end of the month. And Tuesday in years gone by would be a cool day for someone like you, someone like me, who is uh, into every single move and machination that goes down. Last day of August used to be the last day you could acquire someone and have them uh, play for you in the upcoming playoffs. Now you got to get them through waivers after the July 31st trade deadline. But we saw a guy by the name of Justin Verlander make a pretty big difference a couple of years ago when he got traded. Some people say after the deadline, as a matter of fact, by a couple of minutes. But the deal did go through, and uh, the rest is history, and he got another championship with the Astros. They did away with that uh, last year. There is no August 31st trade deadline anymore. I guess by how active July 31st was that we really can't complain that it achieved what it wanted to achieve. But I'm still missing out on it tomorrow on Tuesday when I said, damn, there could be trades on this day. Uh, did they do the right thing when they wiped it out a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, you know, I think so. I mean, look, and that Verlander deal was like the 11th hour and 99 cents. I mean, that was right there. Uh, just got in. But they were probably a first round out, honestly, if, rather than a World Series champion. Among other things that happened, but when it, you know we, we're not in therapy, which you need to be to cling the garbage cans. I, you know, I think it's better this way in general. I do agree. It pushes teams to go to that next step in July because, look, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're cramming for a test, right, that you knew about for two weeks in, in college, or if you're sitting here when it comes down to the trade deadline. If there's a deadline, a lot of teams and people wait till the last second, but that's the last opportunity. The one thing that's interesting, though, that I will throw out there, because we're in such a have-and-have-nots league right now this year and maybe for potentially now years to come, it would be interesting just how many sellers, Joe, would be on that board now that were not there a month ago. And that would be, I, I think, to me, for at least you know the, the 10, 12 teams who are still somewhat relevant in total, interesting to see them get phone calls and be able to make moves for players and, and see waiver scenarios develop that maybe wouldn't have a month ago because there are a lot of teams that really the last three weeks have fallen out. So, look, I, I think, you know, six of one and a half dozen of the other, but 
when you look at the way that July went, it all comes down to, hey, uh, it looked like it was pretty good. You stick with it. Now, is that going to be the same way the deadline is for years? Who knows? But for this one, I think that kind of erases the conversation because it was tremendous. All right, uh, Case, I want to ask you about something that I think you hold on high. I do, but doesn't mean you can't agree with it, disagree with it from time to time. And that's our friends over at Fangraphs and the analytics <laughs> study yeah. of uh, Major League Baseball. I-, I look at it basically almost every single day. If I miss a day, fine, I get up uh, to speed the day after. It has been forever that the Los Angeles Dodgers are supposed to win the National League West. And I get it that they're a very good team. Their roster looks like the best in baseball. But they're still two games back of the Giants and have been games back of the Giants for months now. And we are getting dangerously close to the final month of the season. And I look today, and it's still a 20% difference that the Dodgers are almost 60% to win the division and the Giants are only 40% to win the division. When is San Francisco going to get the analytic nod that it's earned by having this great of the first five months of the season? Uh, probably the last day when they realize that they are about to have a magic number of zero. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know I don't know until then. Look, I, I will say this. You know, Fangraphs, who before the season, you know, I, I think picked the Braves to finish in fourth place. Look, you know, analytics can only take you so far. And the Giants are not a look. They're not a better team. And this is, I know, hard for people to understand. It's like, who's the better team? Well, the Dodgers, when you look at the team today, are a better team. When you look at the team on paper before the season, they were a better team. But it's not about that. It's about who plays better. Because when we think about better team, we think about on paper. And think about how many playoff series have gone the other way. Look, I covered and did a post game where UMBC beat Virginia, the sixteen to one. Right. I'm not going to say this is that kind of an upset, but the fact that their square dance partner is the Giants and not the Padres is certainly kind of crazy. It's one of the crazier things we've had all year. The weird part about this, though, is here's the comp I'll give you in 2010. And the Dodgers, I'm not saying that those Giants or Padres at the time were the Giants and Dodgers of this year in terms of talent or talent differential. But that year, Bruce Bochy won, uh, excuse me, Bud Black won manager of the year for the Padres who were in first place bell-to-bell. They played the Giants in two series in the final 10 days of the season. The Giants won those series, snuck out, won the division, and went all the way and got the World Series. It took till the last week for that flip to be made, and clearly the right team ended up getting in because the Giants and Cody Ross and so on and so forth. Sorry, because I know the Phillies part of that. (laughs) When you look at this scenario, I think they're looking at it as eventually probability is at some point, with still 30 or whatever games left, that this is going to flip-flop. That's the way I look at it. So I don't think it's – look, I can't get on them for feeling like at some point in those 30 days, right, the Dodgers are going to play at such a high level. I don't think the Giants are going to collapse. But even if the Giants were four games over, if the Dodgers are a few more than that, then it's still going to be enough. If the Giants don't win the division, they have no chance to do anything relative in the postseason. The Dodgers – would win the wild card and still have as good a chance, you should say, probably with the pitching staff they have to go as far. So for me, if I'm the Giant fan, I'm worried more about the only chance we have to have any relevance in this postseason is to make sure that we win this division. All right. A couple of questions on the wild card. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, we'll see how it plays itself out. 
if the if the Dodgers have to play their way in to the wild card. They know they're going to be in the play, playoffs, but they can catch San Francisco, so they're going to manage their pitching staff to give themselves a shot. But if it becomes evident they're not going to be able to catch the Giants and they can set it up to whoever they want in the wild card game as their starting pitcher, who's that going to be? Yeah, I, this is easy for me. And, you know, it, look, it would be even more interesting when you've got the Kershaw conversation if, you know, he's part of that mold. But, I, look, as I love Max, and as great as he is, uh, he's the game one guy when Walker Bueller wins me the wild card. Uh, it, Bueller's deserved that. You go back to the 17-inning game, which everybody remembers. And, look, they should. Nate Evaldi was brilliant. And Muncie, right, bagging groceries the year before, off from the A's, hits the, the, the home run, and then all of a sudden we can't have double headers with nine and we got all kinds of questions. But Walker Bueller was seven innings brilliant in that game. And really, in every big game we've seen him since, regular or postseason, he has stepped up for the Dodgers. He's also the guy that's the future. Max is a free agent. So is Kershaw. I'm sure they'd love to bring Max back. I'm sure they'd love to get Kershaw on a one or two year deal to stay and finish his career there. But Walker Bueller is the front of this rotation for, they hope, the next number of years to come. He's become everything they thought that he would be, not only in the big games, Jody, but now finally consistently staying at that level. For me, and I'm curious your take, I look, I love Max. We all love Max. But for me, that's an easy one. It's Bueller who pitches that game. And I think Bueller has taken the lead in the Cy Young race in the National League. Yes. Two weeks ago, I might have told you it was Zach Wheeler. Uh, but he had a tough start in his last start. Girardi tried to ride him all the way to the finish line. And he got hit late, which is going to handicap him a little bit. I think those two are the only ones in the race. I think all three of the Brewers' starters kind of cancel each other out. You can make an argument for any of them. They're a slight step behind Bueller and uh, and uh, Wheeler, but uh, they're in the conversation, but they kind of balance each other out. Uh, is it just Bueller and Wheeler to the wire for the Cy Young in the NL? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, you know, look, and the Brewers, you know, Joey Votto, who, you know, sometimes could be quirky, but he's, he's a, he's goodwill, you know, he's will hunting as a hitter, right? For him to say the other day that in his career, the best staff, starters and relievers that he's ever faced, toughest to hit. And he actually said and spoke in the conversation, I think it was after a game, that for him, it had always been the 2010 and 2011 Phillies, like in a battle. When you think about Halliday and Cliff Lee and one of the teams at Oswald, et cetera, and he's faced obviously some great teams as well over the last number of years. He said this is the best staff in the hardest to hit that he's faced. So give the Brewers all the credit. They're way more dangerous than people think in a postseason because of that. But from a Cy Young standpoint, they're probably those three guys somewhere between three and seven. And I think the top two you mentioned are going to fall one, two in some order. If Bueller closes this out the way he's been pitching, he'll end up being the guy. Speaking of Votto, six weeks ago, no one would have mentioned him as an MVP candidate. Now I might mention him as an MVP favorite. I think it's a wide-open affair. Uh, what would your order of MVP candidates be with a month ago? Yeah, it's a weird year this year. I, I, I've i always wished they'd done it, and we've probably talked about this over the years. You know, hockey does a lot of things wrong, but the fact that they end up having, because they've got two different you know awards, kind of like a player of the year and an MVP, I've always think, I don't care if Trout wins it every year as player of the year. Nobody, I used to say years ago, now it's way outdated. Nobody cares who the most valuable employee at Enron was, right? So, you know, I, an A-Rod situation in last place many years ago, the, those things shouldn't happen. I mention this because as much as the, the Padres have kind of 
you know, it ticked everybody off. They're probably going to get a new manager next year. They probably need some, some glue a little bit more, I think, in that room, too. What Tatis is doing, the numbers he's put up, are, are kind of stupid. I mean, it's ridiculous just how talented this guy is. If they just missed the postseason and a wild card to the Reds by a couple of games, I'm not taking that away from him. I can't do that. Because when you think about all the things that have gone wrong to San Diego, the fact that they, he really has had to carry them way more than we thought. I'm not going away from that. I would be a Tatis Jr. guy, but I'm with you on the wide open part. And, and to me, it's like, you know, how big of a deal is that? It's not like their team's 30 games under 500. If the Padres disappoint, just miss the playoff. I think it depends on who you are and how you look at it. For me, it's not big enough a deal. I'm going Tatis Jr. But Votto is definitely in that next group of three or four where it's hard to know where to go. I mean, as great as the Giants are, yeah, I'm not, you know, Brandon Crawford. I mean, I'm not going to like, to me, that's a team and that's a great thing, right. but I can't pick a dude there. I, I think to me, you know, Freddie Freeman, you know, certainly you could put in the category, at least you know, after the first two months of the season where he and the rest of the team didn't hit what he's been able to do. You can go a number of different places, I think, but I'm a Tatis Jr. guy because the talent level and the performance have been to me just too good. Here's my one reservation with Tatis. You're right uh, in the way you described about best player, most valuable player. Is there a difference when you attach value to it? And I said this in the NBA during the year, and I know you're a big NBA guy too. The Joker was the MVP of the NBA. The best player in the NBA this year was Joel Embiid, but he missed a quarter of the season. When you miss one quarter of your team's game, you're not eligible for the MVP. And Tatis has missed 30-plus games. If he ends up missing close to 40, that's a quarter of the season. I'm sorry, I'm not giving the NBA, I'm not giving the MVP to anybody who misses a quarter of the year. Has a catcher ever won an MVP? Would you give a catcher one if he deserved it? The, even the ones outside the Yadier Molina, they play 120 of the 160, right? The starters, so... I mean, you know, I, I'm with you. I, again, I, I think that's, that's the MVP opens up way more conversation, and I think that's great. But I also think, going back to it, there should be a player of the year. And everyone's like, well, it wouldn't be interesting. Trout should win it, yes. And when he goes to the Hall of Fame, instead of, you know, saying, you know, a bunch of stuff that nobody cares about, how about the fact that they would vote him 14 years in a row, whatever the hell, two holes his first 10 years, right? I'm fine with that. I do think there should be two awards. And just to kind of expound on that for a second, Hank Aaron Award, which is for, you know, a, a, a solely offensive honor, especially after Hank's passing everything else, I wish they would use that namesake and turn that into that Player of the Year Award and change the way that's handled moving forward. Because Hank wasn't a bad defensive player when he that's first correct. came up. Uh, he moved from left field to first base for the tail end of his career, but when he came up, he was a damn good left fielder. So I agree with you there. All right, uh, we know that... Um, Shohei is probably going to get the MVP in the uh, American League, and I know that his team isn't going to be competitive either, but he's having an Andre Dawson-type year where you just throw everything out. He's so much better than everybody else. He's got to get it. Who's going to win the Cy Young in the AL? I mean, uh, Otani? <laughs> you can give them both? I don't know. I mean, look, this is, this is another one of these races where there, there haven't been really – DeGrom was having – a legendary kind of a year, right? If you look at the AL side, we've seen some great Cy Young races with amazing years. You don't really have that. Now, this could be, and I'm going to use a totally random off-the-grid name, but I'll explain, what I call the, the Chris Coughlin special in the AL. When Chris Coughlin won the Rookie of the Year, rookie of the year yeah. yes, he had the most hits of any rookie, and I think it's still a record, has ever had in September. 
I don't even think he was in the – I remember we were doing power rankings. I was on the air at the time. I don't even think he was in the top five. But there was really no – nobody had jumped out. And he, like, hit, like, I don't know, 700, like, in September <laughs> and won the award. I think the AL Cy Young is open enough okay. that if you get a Jack Flaherty kind of a, a September – you remember the stretch he had in August and September a couple of years ago? And he didn't win the Cy Young. But somebody who really just – especially for a team that wins, dominates – I think there's a number of guys who are available in that. I think if it's all around even, look, remember, we're talking about voting. Otani is like, I mean, it's like the distinguished gentleman with, with Eddie Murphy. Go with the name you know. I mean, it's gonna be, people are just going to vote for him anywhere. I don't care if it's to go and, and be the guy that, that runs for Congress in their local area. <laughs> so I, I, I'm looking for somebody to step out and have a big September, which is usually a weird year, but it does mean a lot of weaker lineups, call-ups. There are a lot of have-nots in that league. Uh, I think it's going to be one dominant September that separates this group, because to me it's a mishmash right now. I mean, where would you go? It's tough. It is difficult for me to single out, at least on my end, one guy and say, I feel comfortable he's been the best in the American League. I think it's a little bit wishy-washy with a bunch of guys in the mix. I would tend to agree. That's why I asked you the question. I wanted to see where you sat. You gave us a good answer. All right, uh, last one, and this again. We've got an entire month to figure this out before the playoffs start, but just judging it today, knowing full well we've got more than four weeks to go. If the season were to end right now, the AL wild card would be the Yankees and the Red Sox, like we haven't been there before. Uh, and don't know that uh, we thought this about the Yankees a month ago because they were floundering outside of the playoffs. Now they're one of the hottest teams. The Red Sox were in first place. Then they came back to the pack. Now they're playing a little bit better. And part of that is the return of Chris Sale. He's thrown a couple of times. I've seen both of his outings. He's not Chris Sale of, of old, but some of his pitches certainly look like that. He looks like he can gear it up when he has to. How tough would that be on the Yankees? They went out and got left-handed bats, so they weren't top, top-heavy right-handed, but they are as right-handed as they are. Chris Sale, Yankee Stadium, one game. Could the Yankee season be derailed by the returning Cy Young winner? Yeah, look— in a one game, and this is not a cop-out, I watched Joe Saunders, who had an ERA in his career of six in Texas, shut them out for six scoreless innings. We also saw Zach Britton, thank you, Buck Showalter, hanging out while Baldo Jimenez lost the game. I mean, we see wildcard game is just like it's all open season, right? So it's not Cole versus, you know, Stale and who could pitch better or what's the matchup. It's harder to go that way. I worry about both back ends in a game like that. Do you trust Barnes right now, Chapman, anyone in those groups? I mean, how many Loisica and Chad Green have to be treated like Scott Proctor was treated by uh, Joe Torre? I mean, so it's, it's difficult, right? I, I do think this, though, and this is what stands out to me about the wild card. And I, I love how, you know, what the Red Sox have done because it was hard for them to, to stay where they were at that high level. Nobody expected that. But they've had a good year overall, even if they just get in. The Red Sox, to me, have no viability to scare anybody in the postseason. And if even if they won the wild card, I think they'd be gone next. The Yankees, if they won the division somehow, I think could win the American League, and I'd pick them. If they win the wild card and have to use Cole, their depth is already questioned, and I think they already need to use him, Joe. Like Scherzer was used by the Nationals a couple years ago, where you're going to see him in an eighth inning, starting a game, then three. I mean, I think he's going to get all he wanted when they didn't use him in Houston, right, in that inning before he left there. I think the Yankees are going to win the wild card game I'd pick them to. But I think the White Sox or Houston probably gets them before they go to the dance. 
if they don't find a way to win this division because they're not deep enough in the starting rotation for me to use Cole. That's why if you're the Dodgers, it's like you laugh at it. Do I go Bueller? Do I go Scherzer? You know what I mean? Like you don't have, if the Brewers ended up, which they're not obviously in that situation, I got three guys to choose from. Yankees use Garrett Cole there. All of a sudden, they're a way different team the rest of the way. I think for the Yankees, they got to do whatever they can to somehow hope the Rays give them a little bit of a door opening to cut that gap and somehow steal this division this month. Casey Stern, it is always fun catching up, my friend. Appreciate the insight here today. We'll be listening. Give my regards to Mr. Lidge. I will do anytime, Joe. Be well, buddy. Casey Stern from SiriusXM's MLB Network Radio here with us on uh, CBS Sports Radio. All right, coming back, we'll get the phones restoked. We still got plenty of time to get you aboard at 855-212-4227. Mac Man here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 